Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. You know, it's... it's It's odd how these songs strike our hearts and how a a deep sense of appreciation for, pardon me, for those who've served and those who've gone before us, those who've joined that great cloud of witnesses that pray on our behalf and how we live in in a time when it's really up to the the church of our savior, Jesus Christ, to keep the deep meaning of what these sacrifices have been all about and what the service has been all about. And so I'm I'm just deeply grateful that we can do that and, and that you're all here and I can, I can feel the heart that you, that you bring to the service today. I was also struck by a class that I took at Princeton Seminary where they talked about this as American civil religion. And I thought how, it made sense then, but I was a kid, and how now I realize that this nation was really rooted and grounded in, in a deep and profound faith in God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So they, <clears throat> they made me mask up They made me put on this silly yellow robe and put gloves on my hands, the gloves that terrify most men when we go see the doctor. (laughs) And um, I was able to sit down with, um, with Leo, and he was largely unresponsive. And I spoke with him, prayed with him, And then, almost predictably, and this ties into what I've been speaking of already, I spoke the Lord's Prayer. And when we say the Lord's Prayer, it taps into something that is deep and profound. None of us, in all likelihood, remember ever learning the Lord's Prayer. It's something that we grew up with. It's something that's embedded within us. And so as I spoke the Lord's Prayer, I saw Leo's eyes flicker just a little bit, and at the end, his lips begin to waver just a little bit. And I've seen this so many times, particularly when people are approaching the closing days of their life. We, of course, pray with the family that that is not his time, but if it is his time, he has lived well, and he will finish well. And that is the prayer for all of us, that we live well and that we finish well. Let's bow together. So Father, we come to you as children. We come to you as those whom you have called, gathered together. You've brought us together to 
know the, the deep realities of this life, to know that ultimately what is this all about but our relationship with you. And our relationship with you because of your immense love for us. It's a relationship that moves us to be loving toward one another and toward others. It's a relationship that gives us eyes to see and eyes to weep because of the, the magnificent grace that is lavished upon us despite the reality of our lives. And yet it is that love that impels us onward to serve you with, with constancy and with peace. And Lord, we, we gather with a deep appreciation for those we can so often take for granted. Those who, whether they signed up or were inducted against their personal wills, nevertheless served. And they put themselves in a place where that at any moment they could be in harm's way or were in fact in harm's way. And Lord, those who came back may have left behind an arm or a leg, an eye, or their sobriety, or their faith. Lord God, the sacrifice that they made on our behalf, even those who are among us this day, demonstrates the inestimable love that you have for us and the power with which we might step forward to serve. So this day, Lord, is an opportunity for us to simply thank them. And none of them feel like they're worthy of it, but we thank them anyway. And we ask, O oh Lord, that in our gratitude, we might not have wrapped up our responsibilities, but we might find ways to serve you wherever we are, in whatever context, so that our lives might be lives of service after the sacrificial life of your son, who is the example for all who give their lives for freedom. So hear us as we pray that prayer that your son taught us how to pray. And maybe that's why we can't remember where it started. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The smallest, the least of our sacrifices is what we provide to further the work of God's work in the world. We bring to God the offerings of our hearts. Land where my 
so, Father, because we belong to you, because we are intimately connected to you, your love, your power, and your spirit, and we serve you with all we are and all we have, that we might live well and finish well. Open your word to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus, at the end of his ministry, which was also the end of his life, spent a good deal of time with his disciples trying to break through their thick young skulls. They didn't understand what he was talking about. They didn't grasp the magnitude of what he was doing and what it was about when he talked about the fact that he was going to die. They just They just couldn't quite wrap their minds around it because he was young, healthy. They were all young and healthy. And they, well, they just didn't quite get it until it was all over and done with. But before that time, Jesus went personal with them. He got very close to them. And in our text this morning, he tells them, he is, he is no longer just their Lord. He is that. But he said, I call you friends. I call you friends, and I want you to experience in your life together what it means to be truly, deeply, inherently connected with one another so that you might know what, what real love and real friendship is about so that you might understand that when I lay my life down, it is for you. 
Hear the word of God as it comes to us from the Gospel of John. I loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other the same way I've loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do as I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now, you're my, you are my friends. So I've told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. And this is my command. Love one another. So Jesus declares to his disciples, he uses the example. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches which as a metaphor is a way of saying, I am the source and all the fruitfulness comes from you, from you who are the branches, intimately, directly connected with the Lord. And, and he says this so that they might understand the true nature of his love for them. And Jesus, often uses different words for love. He'll use this term based on the Greek word agapao, which means a love, a deciding love. So I love you because I'm going to love you. It's a decision that I make to love you. I may not feel the love for you, but I'll love you anyway. So <clears throat> self-sacrificing love, and uh, we know what that's about. We, we love as a decision to love. But then he goes beyond that. And he says, when we decide to love, we end up actually loving. When we make that decision to love, we begin to feel that love for one another. We begin, we begin to experience what that love is all about. So that we really begin to care for one another. And, and it's true for, for all of life. There's a sociological world, word called praxis. And praxis says that if you act as if it is, then it can become that way. So in a marital relationship, act out your love for one another, and what do you know? You start really loving each other all over again. And Jesus is saying to the disciples, I love you as a choice. I chose you, I appointed you. God loves you as a choice. But now he says, I love you. The word that he uses is phileo, where we get that word Philadelphia. It's a felt love. It's camaraderie. It's a, a love that, that actually has a deep human connection about it. 
And so he says to to the disciples, I call you my friends. And it is that, that connectedness of love that our Lord wants us to have for one another and for others, and, so, and, and likewise for those who are different than we are. And that is that we, we make a decision to show love for another person, whether or not we know the person, whether or not, the light, whether or not we like the person. We act out love toward the end that actual love might flourish in our relationships with one another. And this is the nature of Jesus' love for his disciples. And then he reminds us, greater love has no one than this, but that they give up their life for their friends. Now, when my wife was pregnant with our first child, I was... um, I was a young dad, and I, you know, I didn't know what it meant. But I, <clears throat> I had to take the car to the, uh, to the shop, and a guy who was there that I met was uh, actually, he was a small college All-American, and when I pulled up, he was carrying a six-cylinder engine, <laughs> hefted it on the back of his truck. And he made the comment that stuck with me. He said, when that little baby's born, you'll know why men fight wars. I didn't know what that meant until that little baby was born. And then two more kids, and now eight grandkids. (laughs) And um, yes, I know why men fight wars. I do. It's a deep, deep sense of commitment, responsibility, of love, self-sacrifice. Would I die for my kids? It's not even a question to be asked greater love, but it it is a love that comes to us. It's not something that we conjure. It's not an act of discipline. We know we can't make ourselves feel something. But when we act lovingly toward another, that love flourishes and returns. And so Jesus calls upon his children to love one another and to allow love to flourish, allow it to allow it to grow so that we become disciplined in that, in that way of loving, with one another, loving one another. I did some reading this week. I was trying to find out why, why people fight wars. Why do they do it? And <clears throat> oddly enough, this was a study out of MIT, oddly enough, an awful lot of them fight for the cause, fight for the nation. They go in with that strong sense of fighting for the nation or the collective, the community. But ultimately, they end up fighting for the guy next to them. They end up fighting because of a deep sense of connectedness that happens when soldiers, sailors, etc., Marines are deployed and they find themselves all sharing a, a, a common goal with one another and, and a common risk. And they find themselves actually loving one another. 
course, my daughter's in Bend, Oregon. And a few years ago, uh, a man who had received the Medal of Honor passed away from, uh, from, his, from her community. And he had thrown himself during the Second World War on top of a grenade. He wrapped himself, he pulled an army blanket out and jumped on this grenade, badly injured, of course, but he managed to survive it. And at one point, he went back to Washington, D.C. He met one of the men who were there, who happened to have been a general, just retired at that point. And they met, and he simply said, Dear brother, you saved my life. You saved my life. He didn't jump on the grenade for his sake. He jumped on it for the sake of those around him. And he was one of those few who had the, the good fortune to, to tell the story once again. Somehow that kind of love embeds itself with our brothers and sisters who serve. It's that kind of love that, that, that brings them forward to a, to a place not just of service, but of remarkable humility. We have a number of veterans, of course, in our church. And men and women who've served, both my parents served during the Second World War. Never thought of mom as a veteran, but she was. She was a veteran of the Navy. Dad was a veteran of the Army, served over in Europe. We have a gentleman named Stuart Wolf. Stuart just moved up to Tennessee. We got a letter of transfer. And um, Paul Johnson, who was in our church for quite some time, I spoke with him just a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, Paul tries to tell me that, you know, he was on a ship heading west toward Japan and that the Japanese found out that he was coming, so they ended the war. <laughs> I said, Paul, I don't believe it. A dear, dear brother in Christ, and uh, he and his wife, Barbara, wonderful, wonderful people. This past spring, I buried Bernie Turner, who was a longtime member of this community, the founder of Walden University. And Bernie lost his faith on a hillside in Czechoslovakia when he saw a half-track covered with a bunch of young soldiers go over the side, and they were all killed. And he lost his faith. So he left his faith behind in Europe. And of course, also in our church, Bernie was Jewish, but he was related to our church. He had come here several times. And I, of course, did the service for him. Also in our church, a man named Jack Sims. Jack was the number two pilot off the deck of the Doolittle Raid following the Pearl Harbor attack, our response, and every single one of those men volunteered their lives in what they thought was going to be a suicide mission. And we had a service for Jack a few years ago. And rather stunning to me was during the service, we had a 21-gun salute, and the young uh, Air Force cadets who came, I, <clears throat> I made the comment to them, do you know that this was one of the Doolittle Raiders? And they said, what's that? 
we cannot remember, or pardon, we, we cannot forget. We cannot fail to remember the sacrifice so many have made. And of course, Peter Thomas, who was probably the most beloved man in this community, who was doing voiceover, voiceovers for forensic files until, almost until the day he died, but he was going up to his garage and um, to do some recording, he was going up the steps, fell forward on his knees and broke both hips and both knees. And um, spent two years in the hospital up at Moorings Park and then, uh, pardon me, in, in, in care up at Moorings Park. And he, he, was, he was at Omaha Beach the morning after. He saw the mayhem on the beach. Ten years later, he wrote a, whole, a poem called Omaha Beach, which he shared with us, which he shared with the nation during the dedication of the World War II Memorial. These, these dear men who served with such unselfish valor, who gave all that they are, put themselves in harm's way, not knowing the outcome. These were some of those that came back and came back with deep love and appreciation for, for all those who served. Peter drove around in an old Jeep out of appreciation and solidarity with those that never came back. And we, of course, loved, loved Peter deeply, and even as he loved us. So we have these examples in our midst. And a few years back, we had two young kids. And again, they're kids, 18 years old. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but they signed up. One was going to the Army. The other one's going into the Marines. They're brothers with one another, and their mom was here. It's the 4th of July weekend. And so we had them up front, and we, we had a prayer for them. We asked all the veterans in the congregation that morning to come forward and pray. So all the veterans came up, and we all laid hands, and we prayed for these kids. And again, just goofy guys. But when the prayer was over, Phil looked over his shoulder, and there was the governor of Florida who prayed for him. And he'll always remember that until, until the day he passes, and he'll tell his children and his grandchildren. And it may be that he'll have an opportunity to have a son or a daughter who, like, like him, had served. So we have, we have these examples. We have these men who are willing to stand with others, stand with one another. And one of the most graphic examples of this was a man named Rodney, Rodney Edwards. Rodney was, he was in on the, on the Normandy invasion and went in and fought at the Battle of the Bulge and then soon thereafter was, was captured by the Germans. So they put him, in a, put him in a prison camp and he was thrown in with all these other GIs. But because he was the highest ranking, wasn't an officer, a non-commissioned officer, he was the highest ranking one, they asked him to 
make sure that the next morning all of the Jews of the Americans would be standing outside the barracks because they would be then sort of skimmed off and taken away. About a thousand men and about 200 Jews. The next morning, they were all, every one of the American GIs, were standing in front of the barracks. And the Germans came out and a soldier drew his gun and pointed at Edward's head. And he said, these aren't all Jews. Rodney Edwards said, we are all Jews. And he pointed again at his head to shoot. And somebody in the crowd said, you do that in your violation of the Geneva Convention and you'll be tried as a war criminal. He holstered his gun and all those men were saved. And one of the Jewish men who had reported this story to the Holocaust Memorial and Museum in Israel said, all these years later, his words continue to ring in my ears. We are all Jews. That's what Jesus tells us. We all belong to one another. We're all Jews. We're all Christians. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. We're made for one another. We're made for God. Who loved us and laid down his life for us. Will you join me in prayer? And thank you, dear Lord, that in an act of self-sacrificing love, in an act that evidenced a love that we can only observe but barely understand, except for certain moments in our human experience where we feel so deeply for another. Thank you, O oh Lord, for being the fountainhead of our love and of our life. We pray in your name. Amen. So we'd like to... Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message.